And so anytime a police officer gets a call about an unresponsive infant or unresponsive person, you know, it's lights and sirens, foot to the floor, go as fast as you can to get to that person in need. And so on that cold and rainy November evening, I ran lights and sirens as fast as I could to this apartment complex. And I got out of my cruiser. I grabbed my medical bag out of the trunk and ran up two flights of stairs. And at the top of the stairs was the caller who simply said, he's over there. And I walked into this apartment, and here was this eight-month-old little boy who, he couldn't move, he couldn't even cry. And uh, what Dad said to me was, I just couldn't take the crying anymore. So for him, his response was to shake that child so violently that if that boy was alive today, he'd be 14 years old. In that moment, I remember thinking to myself, why did this have to happen? What if dad had somebody to call? What if there was somebody that he could have asked for help? What if like-minded Christians from churches throughout central Arkansas network together to become safe families for children? Safe Families for Children Executive Director Tim Nolan, today on Unite from the Nehemiah Network. One Voice is a time for uh, people from all different churches, denominations, walks of life, uh, racial backgrounds, any of that, to just come together under the banner of Christ. Worship leaders and pastors and members from churches all over our city gathering together, literally to be one voice united to worship and seek God. Man, it just shows that there's a, a unified movement of the Holy Spirit to bring people together to corporately worship Him in a very deep way. We're not just praying for a move of God that's somehow distant and years away, but as we gather at every one voice, we're believing in faith that God is going to be moving in our midst. And so I challenge you, I, I, I just say, man, come, 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 come. We want the place to be full and packed. Uh, with people that are hungry for God. Come in to just be in the presence of Jesus. Come join in the movement of people in our city who want to see God's glory spread. I would love to invite you to one voice as we, the church, unite in prayer and worship. The next One Voice will be Thursday, May 4th at 7 p.m. at the Summit Church in North Little Rock. Details at nehemiahnetwork.org. Welcome back to Unite from the Nehemiah Network. I'm Mike Clowers, and today I'm with Ray Williams. Ray is the team leader of the Nehemiah Network, and with us today is Tim Nolan. Tim's the National Director of Safe Families for Children. And Ray, Safe Families for Children has caught your eye. Why? Well, I think as many of our listeners know by now, the Nehemiah Network is seeking to unite the church and the community around prayer and strengthening leaders. Uh, but also mobilizing the church to love our community, uh, particularly in areas that are significant, would make a huge difference. And, and one of those through these last few years has been in the area of foster care. And so the Nehemiah Network has been a strong supporter of ministry partners like The Call, Project Zero, Immerse. Uh, but three years ago, I got an invitation to participate in a meeting uh, with Bethany Christian Services. Their executive director, Becky Bruins, invited me And I first heard about this ministry called Safe Families. And it's a ministry that comes alongside the church to help the church 
help families when they may just be moving into some kind of crisis that, that oftentimes without help could lead to uh, foster care kind of situation. So uh, from, the, from the time I first heard that, I thought this, this is something that as churches uh, would help us serve the people in our community. Uh, Becky worked diligently, and a year ago, uh, she brought Tim to Central Arkansas, and we began to, to work very diligently and to explore how safe families might be able to come to Central Arkansas. And so uh, it really is exciting to have Tim here in, in the city with us this week, and uh, I'd love for our listeners just to hear from him uh, more about safe families, uh, what, what motivated him to get connected with safe families, and then and then how's the community? We might be able to, to partner with safe families to serve families in our community. Tim, it's good to have you here and excited to hear your story. Tell us how you became involved with safe families. You're from Grand Rapids, and we welcome you to Unite. Thank you. Yeah, my journey into safe families really began when I was a little boy. And I didn't know anything about Safe Families then. Safe Families wasn't even around when I was a child. But uh, my journey in Safe Families began as a little boy when uh, I'm the oldest of three boys. And so my parents raised me to have the sense of responsibility to family, to others. Uh, It was our job as siblings to take care of each other um, and to look out for those in the community who needed help or a hand up on occasion. And so... With that sense of responsibility, with that sense of duty to help others, I really wanted to, uh, as I grew up, get into a helping profession. And uh, so like many boys growing up, there's really kind of two things, uh, two exciting jobs that they want to do. It's either be a fireman or a policeman. And so uh, I actually went to school, went to college, and became a police officer for a number of years. And one of the calls that I took when I was in law enforcement really is the reason why I'm here today and such an advocate for protecting kids. And that was the call of an unresponsive infant. And so anytime a police officer gets a call about an unresponsive infant or unresponsive person, you know, it's lights and sirens, foot to the floor, go as fast as you can to get to that person in need. And so on that cold and rainy November evening, I ran lights and sirens as fast as I could to this apartment complex, and I got out of my cruiser. I grabbed my medical bag out of the trunk and uh, ran up two flights of stairs. And at the top of the stairs was the caller, who simply said, he's over there. And I walked into this apartment, and here was this eight-month-old little boy who his eyes were bulging out of his his head. Uh, He couldn't move. He couldn't even cry. And uh, what dad said to me was, I just couldn't take the crying anymore. So for him, his response was to shake that child so violently that if that boy was alive today, he'd be 14 years old. And in that moment, I remember thinking to myself, why did this have to happen? What if dad had somebody to call? What if there was somebody that he could have asked for help? When he got to that point of abusing that child so violently that he could have said, will you just take him from me for a few hours or overnight so I can cool down? What if there was somebody there to do that? What if that was you? What if that was me? We could have 
played an important role in protecting that child. And so fast forward a few years, uh, I ended up getting out of law enforcement and working in child welfare and working in the foster care system. And, and then uh, that was very rewarding. Uh, but again, the injury had already or has already occurred with those kids that are in the system. They've either been neglected or abused, and so that's why they're there. So along came Safe Families, uh, and I joined the Safe Families network of churches and team members from around the country uh, about five years ago, a little over five years ago, and now it has taken off. And as Pastor Ray was describing, it really is about empowering the church to be equipped to reach out to hurting families before they get to that point of abuse and neglect. Because what if you were that person who that dad called and said, I just need help? Would you say yes? And I think we probably would. One of the things I think that maybe many by this time are thinking is, how does that work? I mean, it sounds great, but, but how, how does Safe Families really work? Within the Safe Families network of churches, the churches build their Safe Families programs or ministries uh, in their church. And so the Safe Families team member will help equip and build churches, uh, ministries, and team members and volunteers so that they can adequately meet those needs. And so there's a variety of different roles that families can play. Uh, they can be a host family where they would be the ones that would take in the child voluntarily temporarily until that parent can get back on their feet. There's other roles that we call like a family friend who basically fills that role of a family friend for that parent in need. They become a mentor, a guide, a shepherd through the process. And so we work together with the churches to do what they do best, ministry, and we do what we do best in the screening and assessing and the social work side of things. So Safe Families now has grown to a number of states and you'd love to hear you talk about kind of how broad is it now in, in our country and around the world, and what kind of difference have you seen it make in the communities where Safe Families is at work? Safe Families began in 2003 with really that one person, Dr. David Anderson, the founder of Safe Families, saying yes to a parent in need. And from there, it really just flourished uh, to now there's over 110 Safe Families chapters around the country. Not only that, but there's a number of Safe Families chapters in the UK. So Great Britain and Scotland and England and you know the whole nine yards over there. So, and those are growing rapidly as well. Not only that, but there's a chapter beginning in Japan. There's a chapter already active in Kenya. There's a chapter or two active in Canada. And so this really is about a movement of Christian hospitality to families in need. Here in central Arkansas, this is all very fresh, very new. And I just happened to watch a video that's seven years old about safe families. And I thought it would be neat just to kind of audio track that video for our listeners so they can get introduced to what this is about. This is a news report from CBS News about safe families from about 2009. And then when this is over, we'll come back and talk more to Tim and give you uh, an idea of what it's going to look like in Central Arkansas. Father, thanks for a good day. Being separated from your family is traumatic, but Malik, who we met last year, understood why. Do you think it's better to be with this new family for now anyway? 
Yes, I do, because they they help me a lot, and it's helping my mom too. It's not just helping me; it's helping her too. This desperate mom believed it was the best option. That's the one thing that I strive to be is a good mom. 28-year-old Chanel Bryant was about to put five-year-old Jessica and two-year-old Ethan up for adoption after she was diagnosed with cancer, lost her job, and then her apartment. It just made me want to give up. I felt as though I didn't even deserve to live because of my, you know, I was unable to take care of my kids. That's when she was referred to the Safe Families program, but the thought of giving up her children was agonizing. I cried all last night. Honestly, I did. This is Bosco. We were there when the children were welcomed into the Applegate home. And you get to sleep in this big bed with all Everybody says, oh, this is so good of you to do. And in a way, I feel like I'm selfish because I get so much more out of it. The Applegates did that for Jessica and Ethan, leaving their mom free to look for work. And safe families also help with her job search. After two weeks, success. I got the job. I have the job, so that's a good thing. A part-time job counseling women at a shelter, but enough work to enable her to get her kids back. They saved my life. They were angels sent to me from out of nowhere. We kind of call it co-parenting. It's an approach that's being embraced by churches throughout the country. Good morning. Pastor Lee DeLeon says in places like Santa Ana, California, budget cuts have left families in crisis with less of a safety net. That means 90% of the people that call, which are in the thousands that call, uh, cannot receive any, any help. People like 19-year-old Mary Roll, who was living on the streets for months with her infant son, Aries. Now she's about to give her baby to Dawn and Steve Levitt for the time being. She's enrolled in a job training program and needs to concentrate on that full time. Thank you. You're welcome. You're doing a good thing. I know. And you yeah, take I care of yourself. You, he's going to be fine. It's all about uh, mending the family and getting them to the situation, getting them to a good spot so they can be uh, with their, their child again. Grab onto that thing. That, in essence, is the mantra of safe families. Yeah, that's from CBS News 2009 is when that story first ran. And so there have been just rocketing growth for safe families for children since then. And we're excited that uh, Tim Nolan is here with us today. And a conversation has begun about bringing this to central Arkansas. And I can imagine there's quite a few hurdles one has to go through in order to get it established in a state. That's why you're here, right? You're meeting with the governor's office, policymakers. Tell us about your experience so far here. Well, really, what we want this to be is a partnership of the different organizations. And so we want to do it right. We want to start from the very front end and engage the people that can influence the number of kids entering the foster care system. So our goal really in Safe Families is to, number one, keep children safe. I mean, that's the number one goal, the priority for us. But it's also to keep kids out of the child welfare system. And if we can do that, the transformational impact that that has on that family for generations is incredible. And then the other aspect of it is, is that we want to strengthen and stabilize those families in the process. So that the next time that they have a crisis, because they will, just like we have a crisis, 
the next time they have a crisis, they have somebody to talk to, somebody to call, somebody to ask for help. And so there's been some hurdles, uh, but we're working together with the state, with the governor's office, who've all been very supportive of this program. And so we're excited about the opportunity to launch here in the near future. Tim, just to follow up, uh, because I know there are probably a lot of questions that people would ask when you're coming into a community new, but if someone's saying, well, I'm hearing this, but I'm still trying to kind of understand how does it relate to the child protective services in the community? Does it compete with it? Is it, is it in addition to? Will people use it to avoid responsibility that comes through the child protection services? The child welfare services aspect is really a continuum of services. And so uh, that can start from the very beginning of the prevention-based work. And that's where, where Safe Families really lies, is in preventing the abuse from happening in the, at the very beginning. Because we know that all of these life stressors that pile up on a parent can lead to, and it's an indicator of, child abuse and neglect. And so Safe Families for Children really is at the front end of that spectrum of child welfare where we can protect children on the front end. Now, further down the road, if um, you know children are abused or neglected, that's where the child welfare system comes in in the form of foster care. There's also other prevention services uh, that can be connected there. And then finally, there's adoption and post-adoption support and things like that. That's the continuum. But really, Safe Families jumps in on the front end to protect kids. So how it dovetails with uh, child protection investigators or other agencies encountering uh, families in need is that we can connect them with the families, the mentors, the resources on the front end to protect them and keep them safe. And the primary area that you are resourcing from is the local church. Right. The local church has done this for centuries, and that's how the church was known since really the, the beginning of time is really caring for those who wouldn't be cared for by the general public. So Christians were known for taking babies out of the trash heaps and taking care of them. They're known for helping those with illnesses. And so Safe Families aligns directly with that. The church being the church, doing what it does best, caring for people. Tim, could you give us maybe just a story or, a, or an example of some real-life situations where Safe Families has made a difference? Uh, one of the circumstances that we had one time was a parent who called and said, I moved, I'm new to the area, I don't know anybody around here, I don't have any friends, uh, I've got twins, a boy and a girl, and my son needs to um, go in for a sleep study because he's got some special needs. And I don't have anybody to care for my daughter, and so before I put an ad on Craigslist for somebody to watch my daughter overnight, I thought I'd give you a call. And that's an opportunity where a family could connect with that parent, even if just for one night, build a relationship with them so that they can provide a safe place for those families who don't have that resource, instead of putting something out on the internet to get a response from somebody they don't know. As I'm hearing you tell that story, you know, I hear you talking about the opportunity for relationship between family from the church and the family. And I know many of our families who maybe are fostering would love the opportunity to connect with the family or the parents of a foster care child, but it seems like that's pretty challenging in that kind of environment. So 
how does Safe Families work in terms of the opportunity for the families and churches to actually connect and build relationship with the families they're serving? And that's the beauty of Safe Families is that it is really all about relationship. And so when we're able to connect with a family before it gets to that point where there's government services involved, although foster care is absolutely necessary in the right circumstances, imagine if we can engage with families before that and so build that relationship. There's not the uh, transaction between a person, a, one parent to a system as opposed to a relationship between one parent and another parent. They can work together on addressing the crisis that they need. So it really is about relationship and working together. We often say co-parenting to bring those families together for success. So we've heard a little bit about kind of the difference it can make in a, in a single family situation. But, you know, thinking a little bit more globally, because you said you're in 30 plus states now, do you have any data at this point about kind of what difference Safe Families is making in preventing families from ending up in the foster care system or children being able to be reunited with their families? So here's what we know about the children that have been hosted. Since 2003, over 22,000 children have been hosted through host family arrangements. And out of those 22,000, our success rate for reunification with of those kids back with their families is around 93%. And so really seeing tremendous results when we're able to get involved early, because once it spirals out of control, it's very, very difficult uh, to intervene in those cases. So that's where we're seeing an impact in terms of the children getting the help that they need and the families getting the help that they need on the front end. Now, is foster care necessary? Yes, absolutely. The story I shared uh, in my personal testimony on how I came into Safe Families is a good example of why that's necessary. However, we can get involved on the front end. We know that we can prevent kids from going into the system because they have those protective factors addressed as a family. Knowing some people who work in the system, here in central Arkansas, that would be a breath of fresh air, finding ways to keep kids from entering the system. And our system is taxed, and I'm sure you've heard that as you've been in central Arkansas visiting with leadership, government, uh, policymakers, and such. So this is real exciting. So what does your process look like for establishing this program here in central Arkansas now? So really, I want to cast a big vision then in this case, because really what we want to see is a host of churches, a host of volunteers jumping in and saying, we want to make this difference. And I'd love to see 20% of the churches in central Arkansas raise their hand and say, we want to be a part of this movement that's spreading across the globe. We want to be part of protecting children in our community. We want to be part of building a community that works closely together with us. And so that's really what we're focusing on is building the relationships with churches that can build into volunteers who then help support the families in need. Now, we have a whole screening process that volunteers can go through. Uh, it's a relatively simple process, but they, we want to be able to train them, screen them, do background checks, and those types of things to ensure that those children are safe. Well, it's an exciting day, and it is why we exist at the Nehemiah Network, to call churches to unite around causes just like this one, right, Ray? That's exactly right. 
And Tim, I just want to say thank you for taking your time to be in Arkansas, to invest in what God's doing here. And thank you for taking time to be on the radio with us today. If I'm a leader in a church and I'm hearing this and, and I'm saying, this sounds great, I'm in. I mean, what do I do? I mean, is there a place where I can find out more information, take a next step? Certainly encourage you to visit our website, www.safe-families.org, safe-families.org. I would also encourage you to connect with somebody through that website or here in central Arkansas, it'd be uh, Bethany Christian Services. And, and I would say to pastors particularly, if you're interested in this, prepare for your congregation to be transformed. Because one of the things that we experience and one of the things that uh, pastors experience with church in their churches is that their congregation changes. It changes numerically, it changes in diversity, and it changes in depth of spiritual uh, awareness and awakening within its members. And so if that's something that you're interested in, in, in building your ministry at your church, this is uh, a great way to both reach the community and also develop the spiritual growth and awareness within your own congregation. I've seen it transform churches and how they love their community. Well, Tim, it is uh, an honor to meet you today. Thank you for being here. Ray, good to see you and, and have you here as well. And if you do want more information on Safe Families for Children, again, the website is www.safe-families.org and we'll have information on our website as well for you to check out and our website is nehemiahnetwork.org We are about uniting the church in central Arkansas so that Jesus would be known and God would be glorified You're listening to Unite from the Nehemiah Network I'm Mike Clowers Thank you for listening